Are you ever in a situation where you think, I really shouldn't do that thing, but then you go ahead and do it anyway, and then you're like, why did I do that? (laughs) Our dogs do that as well. So if you've ever seen a dog that's maybe a bit reactive around other dogs, and they'll go bolting up to a dog the other side of the field, and you're thinking, what are you doing? You're scared of other dogs, but they do it anyway. They get there, and they bark their head off. That's what we're going to be covering today, talking about the four Fs when it comes to anxiety. Parenting your much-loved dog is a relationship like no other. Our dogs are individuals and there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to training. Hi, I'm Dr Holly Tett, professional dog trainer and clinical psychologist, and each week on Letters from Your Dog, we'll look at understanding specific dog training questions and struggles from your dog's point of view. Thanks for being here. Let's get to the episode. Hi and welcome back to the Letters from Your Dog podcast. I'm Holly and we are on episode 9. So today we're going to be talking about anxiety and the four F's. So I'm sure many of you will have heard of the phrase fight or flight and what that refers to. If you haven't, don't worry, we're going to go into it in a bit more depth a little bit later. What a lot of people don't realise though is there's actually another two F's that go along with fight or flight. So it's fight, flight, flirt or freeze and there's some additional ones but we're just going to stick with those four for today so before we even get into this we're just thinking about actually anxiety and fear are really normal natural and necessary responses it's something that all of us with no exception will definitely have experienced anxiety and fear multiple times in on our lives dogs are the same and many other animals as well it's there to protect us, it's actually there to keep us alive. So when you're absent-mindedly listening to your music or thinking about something else and you accidentally nearly jump there, uh, jump out, step out in front of a car or jump out in front of a car, it's that, oh my gosh, sudden jolt of fear and adrenaline that makes you realise a car is coming towards you far too quickly and you jump back out of the way. So actually, it's necessary and it's needed. The problem comes when actually what we think is a fear or what our brain thinks is a real threat to us like nearly being hit by a car is actually not real so it's something that we've created in our head and we it has the same physiological response so for example in people people that become very very frightened let's say of leaving the house and it feels completely overwhelming and it's not possible to leave the house right now that's a very real fear for that person realistically they probably know that the chances of something bad happening to them when they leave the house aren't really any greater than the chances of something bad happening to them in the house and even then it's pretty low however they still have that same fear and those same physiological responses sweaty palms beating heart thumping head dry mouth all of those things that we associate with being very frightened even though realistically and logically they know that that fear isn't really as big as it seems in their head and it's exactly the same for our dogs so that emotional response let's say if your dog is reactive to other dogs and they see another dog they get that flood of adrenaline they get that flood of cortisol the stress hormone their body reacts in all of those ways so slightly different for dogs but maybe panting increased heart rate increased respiratory rate maybe the tail's going between the legs the blood's rushing away from the stomach and into the the muscles so they're getting ready to fight or flight which we're going to talk about in a second but actually 
all of that stuff isn't necessary because that dog on the other side of the road that's not even looking at them they're not a real threat (laughs) but our even if our brain knows that which isn't always the case with our dogs it is with people but not with dogs our body doesn't know so our body gives out that same response so we have to think about what we're going to do with that and what happens in the moment is these four f's so when you get that huge kick of adrenaline that huge kick of cortisol when you are frightened of something your body says i need to do something with this i need to act to look after myself and to keep myself safe so the first one fight so this is when as i said all that blood rushes to the muscles and we prepare ourselves to defend ourselves now dogs by nature aggression and fighting so to speak is a last resort they really try not to do that they're not aggressive creatures by nature so they will kick out a ton of calming signals before they get to that point so all the kinds of things like lip licking whale eye where you see the white in the corner of their eye turning away trying to move um position different tail carriage ear carriage yawning there's a ton of different signs and all dogs do different things however what often happens over time is if those signs have been ignored and actually the dog feels like no one's really reading my signals when I'm giving them out and I'm saying whoa I don't mean you any harm then they they tend to escalate quite quickly so that's why a dog who is let's say reactive to other dogs on lead it gets worse because a they feel like they're not being listened to so they go straight to barking whereas before maybe they'd only bark at a few dogs they start barking at more and more and more dogs and it starts to happen more quickly because they see the dog and they're already feeling vigilant because their stress hormone is already high from the dog that they barked at yesterday they haven't had chance for that to drop down again so as soon as they leave the house they're ready when's a dog coming when's a dog coming and then a dog appears and you get woof 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 now that's just one example but that's exactly how it works when you've got those hormones high in your blood they have to go somewhere and fighting is the first response now we say fighting it doesn't have to mean that your dog's locked in a death grip but those kinds of behaviors that look like fighting so barking growling snarling lunging towards even if there's no contact made or the dog's on the other side of the street it's that kind of what we'd look at as maybe aggressive behavioral response okay The second one is flight. (laughs) So this is actually, I should have said this the other way around because flight is what most of us want to do first. So we're put in a confrontational situation and that could be a real confrontational situation where someone is actually gonna hurt us or a perceived threat like being scared leaving the house for example or wanting to bark at that dog on the other side of the road because they think that they're gonna cause them some kind of harm or distress. So. This response is, I want to get the heck out of here. I want to run as fast as I can in the other direction, put as much distance as I can between me and the thing that I am frightened of. So again, this is a protection mechanism. Our mind is saying to us, just get out of there. They can't hurt you if you have run as fast as you possibly can. And this is the other reason why all that blood rushes to our muscles and away from our other organs, because they're preparing us to just get the heck out of there and run. Now, with dogs often we take their flight away from them so by in our example of a reactive dog by the very nature of walking the dog on the lead we've taken away their flight they can't run away they're attached to us so often that's why they get pushed into the fight response because actually they have no option to get away 
So this is why when I see people who say, oh, my dog's been barking at other dogs on lead, I've been trying to ask him to sit, to look at me, to touch my hand, and I think, well, that's, I understand the principle of what you're trying to do. You're trying to distract him, you're trying to get him to focus on you. However, what you're doing there is you're saying, be even more still, be completely static, you can't run away at all so you're not even standing now I'm asking you to sit or to lie down that's not going to help those emotions because those emotions have got to go somewhere and he really wants to run away so why would we make him stand still so how do you manage that so I want to actually give my dog the flight option back so I'll be like okay well let's get moving (laughs) you've seen a dog that you're scared of I'm going to give you a nice u-turn and get you going the other way and there's a little game that we like to play in canine connection which is my monthly membership which everybody loves called apples oranges and bananas I'm going to put you a link below so you can check out that game because it's so good for so many things but it's especially good for that situation so if you do have a dog and it doesn't just have to be a dog that's reactive to other dogs it could be a dog that's reactive to squirrels or birds or people or just gets fixated on things sometimes in their environment what happens is if we're trying to say a dog's name so our dog is barking at the end of their lead at that dog on the other side of the street and we're saying I don't know whatever your dog's name is um Bobby Bobby I always use Bob (laughs) Bobby Bobby and we're calling him and he can't hear us because actually his brain is fixated it's locked in his his hearing is dulled he's not it's not that he's ignoring you deliberately or he's deliberately defying you he just literally can't hear you (laughs) lights are on but there's no one home so what you want to think about in that situation is giving the brain a second to kick in so with apples oranges bananas what you do is you get this is how you train it you get a handful of food in one hand or a toy and you're going to say apples and you want to be really theatrical with this and you're going to take one step and you're going to say oranges you're going to take another step and then you're going to go bananas and you're going to turn and run in the opposite direction throw your food or your toy at the ground and then if you're using a toy have a good old play with your dog or really like have a good old fuss and reward your dog verbally what you're doing there is you're counting them in so to speak so you're giving the dog's brain three chances to hear you So rather than just repeating their name over and over and over again, you're saying apples, oranges, and then bananas. And if you've done enough training, your dog knows that on that third word, on that bananas, the food's going to appear or the toy's going to appear and we're going to do a little run. So they'll hear the apples and they might not turn around they'll hear the oranges and they still might not be able to turn around and they'll hear bananas and they'll be like, oh, I know what that means. And what happens over time is your dog starts responding on apples. So the very first word, they're like, oh yeah, I know what this sequence is. So it's just a really gentle way of getting your dog's focus back on you. Plus, you get to be able to create more distance between your dog and that trigger that they're frightened of. So it's one it's one of my absolute favourite, favourite training games that I like to play with my dogs, with my clients' dogs, with any single dog of puppy age or adult or geriatric dog it really really doesn't matter you can do it with any kind of dog and with any kind of reward so it's a really fun one I'll put the link in the show notes so you can go check that out okay so moving on to our third f now so we've looked at fight we've looked at flight the third one is freeze so my dog Riggs this was his go-to so the freeze is one of those as we talked about earlier 
what we call passive calming signals so the dog is trying to give the message of i mean you no harm please back off but it's usually a little higher up the ladder so it's usually what you see just before you get the bark the growl the air snap one of those more kind of scary looking behaviors i guess and if I could climb inside my dog's mind when he's doing that, what I think I would see is no real cognitive function in terms of thinking, but just a desire to just get out. So still desperately trying to move, but feeling stuck. It's like one of those dreams, you know, when you have those dreams and it's like a sleep paralysis and you're desperately trying to move and you're just stuck or you're trying to run and you can't run. Sometimes you even know you're in a dream, but you can't make yourself get out of it. It's That's what I imagine is going on in that situation for my dog. And some of you might have had the unfortunate experience in your life of being in that position where you just feel so frightened but you can't move um and so it's almost as if suddenly a a switch will flick and that's usually when you get that barking happening um and if you've ever watched a dog often what really happens um for a dog that is reactive to other dogs off lead let's say they run up to another dog it looks like they want to say hi they have a quick sniff then they freeze and if you said their name at that moment that's often the moment when they then react because it's as if something breaks them out of that trance and then they're like oh my gosh I'm terrified woof 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 so the freeze is another kind of evolutionary thing when you're thinking about survival if you think about some animals that play dead that kind of thing now your dog's not playing dead because they're standing upright the other dog knows that they're not dead but it's still a kind of like maybe if I stand really really still it will all just go away and everything will be fine it's that kind of response so it's when they feel as though they can't fight and they can't flight so maybe I'm going to freeze instead and the fourth one the final f is the flirt so we've just kind of covered that really that's when your dog does choose to go up and flirt with danger they go up to the person that they're frightened of only to dart back they run up to the dog that they're scared of only to bark in their face they run up to the postman only to dart back and hide behind your legs whatever it might be that your dog's frightened of they flirt with it they're like oh let me just see if I'm still scared yep yep I'm still scared (laughs) and it can feel quite frustrating to us because and it's often tricky when you're working dog on dog on dog as well or even dog on cat or another animal because it looks like oh you're trying to say hi and we're like oh, okay this is good and then it suddenly turns sour so what i tend to say to people who are dealing with the flirt side of things is don't let the flirt happen so make sure you've got enough distance from that trigger that you can work with your dog as we always say making sure you're far enough away that they can engage with you and then gradually decreasing that distance when you know your dog is feeling more comfortable not letting them go in and take that option so if I've got a dog that's maybe barks at every fifth dog or every tenth dog they see on a walk but they're absolutely fine with everyone else I would still rather they met zero of those 10 dogs and had 10 perfectly fine at distance interactions and by interactions I mean looking at them and then looking back at me rather than they had nine perfectly fine interactions with another dog and one bad one because so often with anxiety we focus on that negative so we don't think about 
you know talking as people and also as dogs we don't focus on the nine perfect interactions we zone in on that negative that's what stays with us that's what we remember for next time so think about it that way think about how many successes can I give my dog rather than how many is this gonna be okay oh it's okay oh no it's not okay can I give my dog (laughs) I'd rather focus on the successes than on the almost maybe is it gonna be fine not quite sure because don't forget as well your anxiety is gonna go up whenever they're touching nose to nose with another dog and they're gonna be able to feed off that a little bit as well and it's not something we can switch off because we are only human at the end of the day (laughs) and they are only dogs okay so I hope that's helpful to think about those four F's in terms of anxiety and fear. It's useful for us as well as in our dogs. The difference, of course, is that in people we can take stock and think this is what's happening. It's nothing to worry about. For our dogs, they can't do that by themselves initially. It's actually something that we need to help them to be able to figure out on their own. And apples, oranges and bananas is a good day, a good day, a good way of just slowing everything down giving your dog that second to breathe to process and then to be able to act in a way that's much better decision making so to be able to come with you and to get distance from that trigger rather than losing their mind over it which is stressful for them and for you and potentially for that other dog and person on the other side of the road as well okay it was nice to speak to you talk to you soon do make sure you check out the show notes for that apples oranges and bananas link it really is one of my absolute favorite games when it comes to training and if you like playing that with your dog and you'd like to see more of what we do at paws up dogs be sure to jump onto the canine connection waiting list that is my monthly training membership my favorite place to be in the whole world and we do loads of amazing fun games and training with our dogs inside there so if you'd like to be the first to know when canine connection is open again get on that waiting list and i'll speak to you soon